Rest, recover, rise with 4-5 CBD oil. The world's first certified 0% THC CBD oil. It's not the length Kelly kicks it again. Person friend called Arm McFanning. Have you heard of him, Paul? I've got an A-level in it. There's no need to show off. The wave is fucking sick, man. Just scared the shit out of me. Welcome to It's Not The Length Podcast. And welcome to 2020. I'm Paul Evans. And I'm Ben Mundy. Happy New Year, Ben. You happy new decade, Paul. Yeah, happy new decade. How's it all going? Have you had a good Christmas and festive season? Have you made lots of New Year's resolutions? Yeah, I made um, loads of... Um, had a good Christmas, yes, thank you, Paul. Uh, very festive. Um, you know, loads of booze, drink, food, and friends and family, all the good things. Uh, yeah, made resolutions, broken them already. Um, it's just not going to happen. Mmm, we had a jolly, fine Christmas day here, beautiful... Southwest France is 23 degrees. We had our Christmas lunch outside, which I made. It was fucking delicious. It was a nut roast. And while I was eating nut roast, I guess what, who I should really thank is all the rest of you guys who are still eating the 20th century sort of retro ignorance diet of ecocide, climate collapse, cruelty, and cancer via incarcerated livestock. So thanks to all the meat eaters for making the weather nice and hot, but well done me for making a delicious meal and having it outside with my mum. Yeah, nice, nice to alienate uh, three quarters of our viewers off the bat. Yeah, um, it's it's a beautiful day in southwest France today. We've had lovely weather. It's twenty one degrees on my deck right now. Um, beautiful day. So that's pretty pumping. I saw famous photographer, stroke filmer Laurent Pujol this morning. Um, I was coming back from school, obviously on the bike, uh, after dropping the kids off, and I saw Pujol by the little boat ramp into Cap Harbour. He had his jet ski on the back of his rig, on his trailer. He was in his weddy, sort of up to his waist, and just kind of sitting in his car. And I was like, well, you know, stop, see if I haven't seen it for a while, what's going on? And he's like, dude, because he's obviously got an American accent because he grew up in Florida, he goes, dude. I forgot my board. <laughs> and he was going to do jet ski step-offs with Alain Rieu in like eight to ten foot hostile barrels and he forgot his surfboard. <laughs> so, I've, yeah. I've, I've seen some good uh, Instagram footage of Peugeot getting pitted off his head on the times he, he, he did remember to bring his board. I can't, I can't think why he's forgotten his boards. Uh, must have just been in a hurry in the morning or something. He might have had a really strong cup of tea or something. It was probably that. Exactly. It's probably the tea. Um, but yeah, it's been pumping, I think, Flores a couple of days ago while I was making my way back from China, which we'll get into. Um, Jeremy Flores, I think, says the best he's ever seen it. Gravier was bonkers. Yeah, I've been on fire. Well, the whole of Europe's been on fire, hasn't it? I've been um, sitting in my little landlocked office covering it for various uh, people around the world. And yeah, I get Nazare coming in massive. We get. I'm uh, just. Spoke to um, Conor McGuire about the Hell Mulligan Moore session this week. Um, it's been pumping down in the um, Canaries, as we might come across later on in the show. So, yeah, the Atlantic has just been absolutely um, pumping. So we got a bit of correspondence, haven't we, Ben? I mean, a lot of people have been getting in touch with the show. That you had some you had some correspondence in. What what have you got? Yeah, I did, actually. I got a, um, a little note um, from one of our uh, big fans. 
he said, hey, mate, it's, um, it's Billy. I've just been catching up on the Hawaii episode of the pod. Strong. Solid pudding as always. Thanks, Billy. Although, for future reference, a three-dart finish from uh, 169 is actually uh, impossible. Uh, just a minor quibble. He goes on to add, to be fair, it did sort of prove your point about the relative simplicity of surfing scoring system. So, Billy, uh, I thank you. That is true. You cannot finish on a 169. Um, that's impossible uh, in the game of darts. Uh, I was actually just a little a bit of a test, out, out, uh, people. Obviously, uh, went straight past you, Paul, but for the darts lovers out there, Billy was all over it, and uh, I appreciate his, um, his, his, uh, you know, his insight, and uh, I'll stand corrected. He also said, weirdly, Paul, he was out in a further down the email that he was actually um, he was out somewhere surfing and he was talking about podcasts and someone he met in the, in, in the surf world who actually loves the podcast. It, was, it wasn't a friend of yours nor mine, just a completely independent um, observer who was like a massive It's Not The Length fan. So um, we're going to try and track that one fan down. It was nice to know there's, there's someone out there, Paul, that, that listens. Yeah. Two people, yeah, I am... Um... Yeah, okay, a couple of things to say. One thing I love about that It's Not The Length audience is, is apart from their like amazing taste in on-demand audio entertainment, is just how knowledgeable they are about the world of sport. I mean, classic Billy. I mean, he's, he's not only is he listening intently to your analysis, but he's, you know, he knows the rules of darts. Of course he does. Of course he does. Um, yeah, I, uh, like, the audience is, is, is strong and it's growing. Is it well? Is it strong? It's, yeah, the audience is. I guess to use um, one of your one of your favourite catchphrases. My sort of vision for our audience is small but sensitive. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Small but sm- small but sensitive. I, I I don't want it to be too big, but I want I want the right kind of people listening. Yeah, oh, we've got them. We've got those guys that are willing to uh, go all the way for an email to to write your wrongs on a on a sort of. A scoring system that has no relevance to surfing. They're the people we're chasing, Paul, Spe- and they're out there. We, we thank you for it. Speaking of the right sort of people, uh, one of the judges, one of the Aussie judges that I was just with in China, the QS5000, Corona Open China, as we were getting to the bus or our transport to the airport in Sanya, he showed me his phone. He downloaded all 11 episodes of It's Not the Lake, and he's like flying back to the Goldie, and he's just stoked. He's like, oh, sick. He was like so stoked. He's had a bit of commentary, obviously, from me during the event. He, he, you know, he hadn't heard you, but you know, let's just assume that he thought that I'd probably elevate you anyway. But on the pod, whoever you were, and yeah, he was he was really looking forward to a solid binge listen on Qantas on the way back to the Goldie. Respect. You know what? He probably didn't even get off. He just did another lap. <laughs> it's if you want to get in touch with the show, if you want to give us your feedback, you can get in touch via Twitter. Drop us a message, send us a tweet at Wavelength Mag. Send us a DM on Insta, on Instagram, or you can drop us an email, editor at Wavelength Mag. All right, well, it has been pumping in Europe. Atlantic's been busy, and the invitational event at El Camal, the famous pipeline star wave in the Canary Islands, was absolutely smoking earlier this week. Adrien Toyon, one of the core lord goofy foot tube hounds, out of Europe at the moment. He made the final event, was won by Aditz Aramburu in pretty much pumping eight-foot style pipeline surf. And we got in touch with Adrian to get a little debrief on the event. The wave is fucking sick, man. Like, um, it just scared the shit out of me. Um, I got 
I got so happy in the same time and so scared when the big sets were coming through. Uh, I think everyone was pretty much feeling the same. They send the boogie boards on the low tide and they try to keep like surfing on a higher tide because the wave is like literally impossible to, like for me, impossible to do on um, to do the takeoff on on low tide. So in the final it was me, uh, Nacho, and uh, and the country and your countryman. I mean he's from Ireland. He's not, but Jeroy. Uh, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. <laughs> I just know he looks and. Uh, and uh, he got waves like this back where he lives. So he was really comfortable up there. Like you can really compare this wave to Pipeline. If besides Pipeline, it's the best wave I've surfed in a contest in a really long time, maybe in, in my life, I would say. It's Okay, let's go down to our classic opening segment. Good, bad. Where we look at some of the recent, or not that recent, goings on in the surf world. We run through the filters of pleasure or displeasure. Ben, first of all, what have you got that? Not bad. Um, it's our old mate, um, Kelly Slater, and obviously Boo. the. <laughs> he's, he's always making news, and uh, he recently sort of weighed into the. Um, Bushfire crisis uh, debate in uh, Australia. Obviously, that's been well documented and it's caused all sorts of consternation. That I mean, that's bad as a whole. It's been a, a tragic loss of, of life, biodiversity um, as such. But anyway, um, so Kelly, in the middle of all this, sort of just pipes up on, on Instagram and he says, I mean, which is, it starts with, I'm no expert, which is always quite possibly the worst way to ever give an opinion. He says, I'm no expert. But from friends' messages and reading I've done on the subject, mismanagement of forest underbrush in the winter months and of overall water resources have helped create a perfect storm in the face of this drought. Then he puts in brackets, climate change, if you will. And then he says, one of my biggest fears as a kid was fires, and ironically enough, my mum was a firefighter. Maybe one created the other. And I just thought, Kelly, in one single misguided sentence, he's managed to amplify the climate change deniers mantra that fires have been caused by forest mismanagement, while also somehow putting his own as a pyro favourite at the centre of the issue. I mean, it's ignorant at best. At worst, it's just misinformation that, that helps cause these fires in the first place. And then later on, he, he sort of adds, adds a disclaimer because he does this before. He's happened to Shark, I think, a few years ago at Reunion where he says something off the calf that's misguided or uh, plain wrong. And then he gets schooled by various environmentalists and he comes back and changes his mind or types an apology. But um, I just thought, you know, just this whole thing about the forest underbrush mismanagement is just bullshit. And for him to just to pile on top of that, I just thought it was just fucking uncool and not helpful. So yeah, I didn't like it, Paul. I thought it was bad. Mm, yeah, Kelly Cooks it again. <laughs> Kelly Cooks it again. Well, on a similar sort of tip, I'm going to talk about some ocean heating. Uh, news came out a couple of days ago, the past five years, top five warmest years recorded in the ocean. Top Last ten years are the top ten years on record. And the amount of heat being added to the oceans is equivalent to every person on the planet running 100 microwave ovens all day and all night, Ben. The ocean's getting hot. That's bad news, isn't it, Monday? That's bad, yes, Paul. 
Um, hotter oceans also super. I'm reading a little bit from a Guardian article here. They also supercharge storms, um, which is which is bad news. And we're thinking about the hot spot in the Gulf of Mexico in, in 2017 that caused Hurricane Harvey, 82 deaths, 108 billion in damage. Uh, obviously, 2018 you got a hot spot in the Atlantic near the Carolinas that caused Hurricane Florence that did all that damage in places like BVI and in, in the Caribbean. So. Yeah, gnarly, man. Um, the ocean's getting hot. It's actually much more significant than air. We generally use air temperatures as a sort of measure of it, but actually the oceans are, are, are way more significant and particularly bad bad for places like Australia and the Barrier Reef, which is dying off at a rate never seen before, basically. It's got quite a finite temperature range, coral, and, you know, the little organisms that live inside, if it goes up, like, half a degree, they just they get ejected. Um, acidification comes along with that as well, and that's down to how soluble CO2 is at different temperatures. So the concentrations go up or down according to, our, let's not get bogged down in the chemistry. I've got an A-level, I've got an A-level in it, there's no need to show off. But anyway, yeah, it's bad news, Ben's fucked. Climate change is happening and we've got to address it and be realistic about it. And, uh, and go vegan. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Did you see uh, Monbio's program on Channel Four, Apocalypse Cow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched that. I knew you'd question me on that. I brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah, he's good, George. We like him. Yeah, it's like brilliant. Him. Just as an aside, when my mum's over here, we're talking about these exact sort of topics. The classic sort of Christmas family kind of debate. Oh, really? That it came up, did it, Paul? <laughs> Weirdly, and she was just like going, "Well, that's just like rubbish." Like I was kind of saying whatever about sheep and sort of destroying this and no one eats it and you know 40% of the uplands in the UK sheep and 1% of the calories and she's basically kind of like having none of it and then she saw the show and she's like texting me oh I've just seen a brilliant program on Channel 4 it says that there's 21 million sheep in the lake dish I was so, eh, isn't that like exactly what I said to you and you weren't having a bar of it now it's on TV and it's a guy with a sort of kind of quite a posh accent and a and like an Oxbridge graduate, you're all for it. Unbelievable, Mum. Well, it goes to show, though, um, people's opinions can change. Um, it's possible. Brilliant from Monbio, and I was really glad. I was doubly glad that I had my VPN in China, and so that obviously I could use, like, Gmail and, and Facey and shit, but I could also change location, too. I actually chose Wembley in London as my VPN location, and I watched Channel 4 On Demand. And watch Apocalypse Cow. If you haven't seen it, it's not the length, well, listeners. I, if, if you think the Chinese authorities get stopped by a £10 a month VPN, I think you'll be fucking, you know, I think you, you'll be on their books now, for sure. Ben, what else have you got? Let's... Just the naming of email threads. Um, you want to be careful in some environments. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I don't want to... You know, drop names here, but I was having a little bit of a discussion with um, uh, a close person friend called uh, Mick Fanning. Have you heard of him, Paul? Three times world champion. Yeah, I know him. Yeah. Yeah, so Mick's been doing a show. Um, he's, I since found out he's uh, for National Geographic Australia uh, about sharks, him and Taylor Steele. It's a follow up to the. Did you see the Save the Rhino that um, Kevin Peterson did? No. Well, this one's called Save the Sharks. So Mick's going around talking to four of the world's leading um, shark experts and educating himself on sharks and how to educate people on how to save them, which is all very good. Anyway, I, my, my 
since I'd opened my books. I see you've been rooting stingrays, and I put it that rooting stingrays as a subject title, which is fine. I asked him a few questions about it. He got back to me. And I, I said I had to get a bit more information, so he forwarded it on. But to like the people that are producing the whole um, film, like Taylor Steele, plus the um, the guy in Australia who's the CEO of the, of the filmmaking company, the guy from National Geographic, and then that went to the PR agency. And all of a sudden, there's like this forty sort of long person thread about this topic and the, the top of it on every single one was rooting stingrays so i was just imagining like these PR girls or men and, and ceos of various companies opening up email from mick fanning to me with uh, rooting stingrays so i just thought you know what it's not a biggie but maybe in future just think about those email threads because they can uh, they can get out of out of control paul and for, for uk-based listeners just to be clear rooting is an australianism for the sex act so it's kind of, it's like Australian for shagging, basically, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, very much. So. Did you get a root? Did you did, did you root her? Probably more more vigorous. Okay, um, that's interesting. Do you think do you think National Geographic sees Michael Eugene Fanning as the natural replacement for Attenborough? Is he is he really going to step up into the Attenborough space when if and when you know? Because he's going to go, he's going to go at some point, isn't he? Maybe quite soon. Is he? Do you think? Do you think Fanning will step step up to that? He's a logical replacement. Mm, the Wazzle recently announced that there's going to be new, well, a, a raft of kind of new procedures. Uh, no double qualifiers uh, from the QS in 2020. Now, for those who aren't maybe aren't quite as sort of ensconced in the qualifying series as us, uh, double qualifiers someone that. Yeah, finishes in the top 10 in the QS, but also is already re-qualified through their CT status. Uh, and then normally what happens is that will go, this, the qualified spot will go down to the 11th surfer, or and then if there's two in the top 10, they'll be down to the 12th. They're doing away with that. And instead, what they're going to do is just keep those spots for to award to wild cards. Um, I think partly due to the kind of D'Souza stroke, fear of antique stroke Mikey Wright kind of conundrum that they managed to sort of squeeze in. Um, they're looking at that the wrong way around. They, they're, they're completely looking at it the wrong way around. Rather than, you know, their theory is that, you know, if you can't beat them, you can't join them. So if you don't get in the top 10 anyway, that you, you don't get a spot. You just, um, you know, you shouldn't be able to, you shouldn't be able to be in the top 10 if you're on the CT. You shouldn't be able to do both. Um, I'm just going to revisit my China trip. And which is which is a great trip. First QS five thousand, you know, straight off the bat. Started in the first week of January. Evans was over there, representing on the mic. Um, Brisa Hennessy won it. Brisa's like a really cool, sort of nice, lovely person. She's over there with her mum. She won the contest, but I, on the one hand, she deserved to win. On the other hand, I thought that sucks, man. Like, what sort of message does that send out to your young up and coming? sort of female talent on tour. It's just like first event of the year, chance to sort of, you know, really have a breakout result and someone from the CT just come and stolen all the candy, got all the points and the money. And Vahine Fierro, the, the Tahitian goofy foot, who I love and was my pick to win the event. And if you actually watch her closely, she surfs a little bit like me. There's like, <laughs> no, I mean, she, she obviously surfs. <laughs> she, uh, we have reached a new, well, we've reached a new high in terms of, where you can place yourself in the surfing sphere, but a new low in terms of podcasts. She, 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 she obviously surfs a lot better than me, but if you look at particularly her back and her sort of arms, she kind of does what I do. 
like, it's quite hard to sort of explain, but I, I sort of generally describe it as a sort of a, quite a low bum, but with forward hands. It is really like Evansy. Anyway, that's not why I like a surfing, but I think it's a bit of a bummer that sea deers are allowed to do that. And um, yeah, I think I think they've cooked it a little bit there once again. Ben, let's um, let's let's get a bit happier. No, that's good. Good thing was a little clip from an English ripper called Lucas Skinner. Obviously, um, the son of legendary um, long dogger, long border band skin dog Skinner. And he released a little clip. He's joined Rip Curl. He's only 11, and it was, I think it was from Waco, Texas. And he was absolutely ripping. You know, when you see those 11 year old kids, like, he was proper. Um, I just thought England um, hasn't had a sort of world class surfer in, in, in a long time, like at that elite level. And just when you see 11 year old doing crazy airs and like, stomping all these grabs I thought wow this kid looks really really good yes good well okay Ben I'll see your 11 year old Cornish ripper and raise you a 10 year old Chinese ripper called Moo Moo he's from Sichuan in China and he's one of my new favourite surfers I like to my my favourite surfers I basically sort of update it at least bi-monthly but sometimes once a week they just kind of shuffle around a bit. And a, a stormed into the top 10 is Moo Moo. He's 10 years old. He's a goofy. He fucking rips, dude. Like, just totally sheds, doing like blow tail, sort of off the lip, just full rad, sort of thin waft shit. He's like properly good. He's got a little bit sort of podgy and he kind of laughs about it. He speaks a bit of English, just kind of cool. And he like sort of grabbed, he was like, we're talking about if you were cold and then he's just like grabbing his like, sort of little belly and laughing and saying, oh, it's like, I won't do the, it's sort of vaguely racist to do the accent, but he like was like, oh, I got my wetsuit and like grabbed his little gut. Um, and he's just a really funny little dude. And uh, he kind of represents you know, the good edge of a quite slightly sort of sinister thing that's going on in China with, with the surf program. Um, all down to the... Why is that sinister? <clears throat> I mean, essentially, uh, I mean, obviously the Chinese government might hear this and not invite me back next year because I had a welcome letter from them to get me through without a visa. But essentially, they take kids away as young as six from provinces in China. If, you, if you're in the swim team and you come like outside the top 50, you go onto the surf program or just you might not even be good at swimming. Some of the kids have never seen the ocean or swam before. A lot of them hate surfing and they get sent away to live in Hainan where I was for the event and their parents get paid. A lot of their a lot of their parents can't afford to send them to school, which apparently have to pay for in China, but they get money to send the kids away and they don't go to school. They just literally surf every day. So they're up at six AM in the dark, like jogging. I mean there can't be many Grom training programmes around the world where there's like little eight year old kids running in the dark. <laughs> like and they surf all day and they're gone from being non-existent five or so years ago, a bit more when I first went there, to being like, they're going to properly be good. They've got like, no, they've got all the boards, all the gear. There's loads of Aussies in there uh, coaching them of various sort of rank from like PT to sort of Kanga Kens or all, everyone's in on the China sort of gravy train to these old like wizened sort of sunny coast former QSs. That like made a, made a, made a finalist in Philippines and a one star or whatever in the nineties. They're all over there coaching, and they 
the Chinese make it a massive push. Um, I've actually got an article on Wavelength about this. Uh, listeners can check out. But uh, yeah, but anyway, it's a, this is a good, and it's Moo Moo. He's, he's one of, if not my new, very favourite surfer. He absolutely rips. He's a legend. And <clears throat> he's representing part of quite a diverse scene of people. I was hanging out with Chinese rippers. I was also hanging out with a gay longboarder from Mongolia. It's just a real diverse scene, and it's, it's uh, yeah, you can look at it, you know, we like to sort of judge and think, you know, maybe it's not legit if they're just sort of being forced into surfing, but whether it's legit or not, whatever it is, the Chinese are coming, and in 10, 15 years, I'm, I'll be very surprised if the Chinese weren't at least in finals day on major QSs, at the very least, stroke CT. I'm going to go and put that out there. As long as Surfer remains in the Olympics, they are pumping millions into the talent development program. Hainan is close to Bali. It's a couple of hours flight to Bali. And there's one kid called Alex over there. His nickname's Alex. But he made the second round and he QS 5,000. He's from China. That's pretty rad. He's 16 years old. Um, you know, he beat some like Americans, Californians or whatever, travelled all the way around the world to be there. And he, he hangs out a lot in Bali. He's kind of got this kind of little bit of a kind of a skate kind of attitude, like bleached head, cool dude. They're, the Chinese are coming, man. They're in surfing. They're going to be a brand new brand new nation to watch out for. Yeah, you heard it here first. But the best one is Moomoo, little legend. <laughs> yeah, what, Ben, what have you got that's good? Uh, he's a guy called uh, Oli Doucet, or Doucet. Uh He's an Australian surfer from Sydney who lost his leg just... It was in August 2018, so a year and a half ago, uh, on a motorbike accident, standard, got hit by a truck, fell off, his leg was kind of next to him, he scooped it up and got a cab ride to the um, to the local hospital and he spent 10 days there where they had surgery and then it got infected, had to get flown back to, um, to Perth and the doctor came in there and said, okay, you, got, you can either lose your leg or you can lose your life that was his options obviously he chose to get his leg, uh, his leg lopped off and below the knee and then since then he's been on a mission and he, I saw some footage last year of him like attacking that huge Doris left that big south coast bomby left he went to Wyomere and Pipe he hooked up with um, Timmy Benython the big wave filmer and he invited him over to Nazareth and just this week he's, um, he's arrived in Nazareth never been there rocked up Within like 12 hours, he's getting towed into like a 30-footer or whatever you want to call it, massive bomb on one leg. Timmy Benithan was saying like the whole hill was just cheering. And uh, then the next day he went and paddled, had a big paddle session, borrowed boards. And that that Nazare crew was amazing at being so inclusive and so supportive and he was blown away by it all. But I think it's just a real inspirational story where he's just had a life-changing um, sort of event and he's turned into a positive Let's keep it Asiatic, Ben. Let's keep it in the Far East. I might have mentioned once or twice already that I just came back from China. What did I see over there? I saw the brand new wave of talent coming out of Japan. I talked about China being the next big thing. I think Japan is the big now thing. They are the story in professional surfing at the moment. They got the Olympics this year. The talent's mental out there. They're all really cool and kind of interesting. I think back in the day, they used to be a little bit boring, a goody two-shoes, and now they're quite rebellious. They're actually like pretty hassling in the surf. Like you'd think of them as being kind of 
submissive and few of the few of the boys are saying that they're actually kind of worse than the Brazilian QS crew and to surf with. Um, Shun Murakami won the event who's just an absolute ripper like goofy for dude he surfs so good he's got a nose ring which I love I'd love to see a nose ring on the CT we had I, me and Bins had a little top chat on air about this I think the last nose ring might have either been Dog Marsh or, or Sean Munro have there been any other nose rings since then I think so Dog would be a good shout yeah so sure. in, Shun, Shun Murakami he's epic um, even his get up's pretty cool he wears like real kind of nineties like Volcom sort of snowboard gear like around the event like real baggy kind of color blocked sort of polyester looking kind of like sort of shiny like snowboard stuff and just he's just epic and he, he barely speaks a word of English which I think is pretty cool because it adds a bit of mystery to him. Um, he's he's being trained by Ma Ono, of course, legendary sort of Japanese dude back from the kind of 90s, 2000. It was always that the thing about him, everyone said he's like the sort of second highest paid surfer in the world after Slater, um, Masatoshi Ono. But yeah, and just the, the Japanese in general are, are amazing. Of course, we've got Amoro Suzuki, who, who's on the women's CT this year because of um, because of Carissa Moore taking a sabbatical. So um, Amoro just finished one spot out. She got the ladder up onto the CT because of Carissa not doing the tour, but um, that's epic. Shun's qualified for the Olympics because he got fourth. So he got another, another spot for Japan because he got fourth in the ISAs. And they're amazing. It's we're going to introduce a brand new segment now because that's, that's part of what It's Not The Length does. We were always innovating and bringing in new segments. It's called Top 5. It's fairly self-explanatory. Um, it's all about kind of the top five moments in various departments. And, and for this episode, we, you know, we're thinking about recent events. We're thinking particularly about... Gabriel Medina. This one's all about shithousery. Ben, what is shithousery? Shithousery, it's uh, often used in the football or soccer world where it describes acts that, although within the laws of the game, or not, uh, are considered uh, to be poor form against the moral code, generally just being a shithouse about life where you're pushing the edges of, of what's competitively sort of allowable. Uh, to your benefit, so that's shithousery, and um, yeah, funny enough, uh, we might find that Gabriel Medina might be uh, get, get a mention in this, I'd imagine. Yeah, it's uh, it's sort of trying, also can be trying to sort of cheat, but then kind of denying it as well, can't it? So it can be like fouling someone, but sort of pretending that you didn't and stuff like that. It's um, it's what surfing's really sort of lacking, isn't it? To sort of bring it up, there's not enough of it. I don't think we don't have enough anti-heroes. Thank God, Medina's such a cunt because otherwise surfing would be boring. And when it does, everyone loves it. I mean, everyone loves chatting about, it, doesn't he? It's like it is those moments of shit houses that really ignite something in the sport. Cause that's what sport needs, you're right? Yeah. Okay, so we're going to count these down, Mandy, from five to one uh, in order of kind of shit houseness. Number five. Couple of Aussies. Couple of dudes from sort of your era and neck of the woods. Damien Hard Damien Duma Hardman and Tom TC Cow. Two two-time world champs. What went down Monday? Where did it happen? When was it? What what's it all about? Uh, it was a famous exchange back, I think the 1989 uh, Coke Classic at Narrabeen. Um, so they're in a heat. Um, Tom Carroll was clearly in the lead, but he wasn't. He was without priority. Um, Hardman was paddling out about 50, mad, 50 metres away, so um, sort of caught in the foam. So Carroll took off on an open face, thinking he was safe. 
but uh, unbeknownst to him, Hardman took off on the same wave, albeit half full field away, also in the broken foamy foam in the whitewash. And uh, he stood up. And at that stage of the game, the rules were that if two surfers are on the one wave, no matter if any interference occurred or not, the actual rule was changed after that to incorporate that there had to be some type of interference involved. But at the time, it was in the rules, but everyone like, absolutely pillared Hardman. Uh, for his tactics. Number four. At number four, it's one of kind of multiple entries for Gabriel Medina. We can always just have, just have him as an entry on his own, but this is a different sort of shit housing, and it takes two to tango, doesn't it, Ben? But but Medina does like to get the inside at the start of a heat. One that went down at Tiahupu in the Tahiti Pro last year in well 2018. Was it him and him and brother Andino? What happened? Yeah, they just, well, Kaloe decided to um, to try and get the inside at the start of the heat, which is what Medina always tries to do. But, you know, the surfers have tried this, and it takes a fair amount of sort of balls and, and commitment. And it, it, to brother's credit, he's stuck to it. But they end up just paddling each other basically up around the point. Meanwhile, like, perfect four foot, it wasn't that big, but perfect four foot left was reeling through the lineup. And those two were just literally hammering each other up and down the point. And um, Medina just would not let go. And he, can I just add that? The year before, I think, him and Julian also engaged in the same type of um, paddle battles over a few heats. And then they met in the final. And at the very end, Julian uh, the, sort of was in the lead, had a solid sort of heat lead. And then with 10 seconds to go, Gabby came and paddled over to him, um, shook his hand, i.e. conceding what you do, say you do in golf when you're... You know, in schemes where you can see the, the hole, shook hands, okay, that's the end of that. And then the set pulled up, he suddenly, like, just instinct took over. It wasn't sort of pre planned, instinct took over, he just sort of scammed down the inside and took off. And if that wave had been the score, he would have won. But it was a classic where he's, you know, he's considered the hole, considered the match, and then just quickly spun around and took off, which, again, some prime time gab shithousery. Number three. Here's the Pipe Masters in 2009 at the Bonsai Pipeline. Evans was there on the beach. I actually dug up my, my first handwritten account, my blog, um, which I really enjoyed. I'm gonna read it out. Uh, it was Dean Morrison, the dingo. In the quarterfinal, the first quarterfinal, and it's a classic case of life imitates art. Um, because from the movie North Shore, obviously Lance Burkhart famously pulls Rick Kane's leash in the Pipe Masters. Dingo Morrison pulled Damo's leash and sent him over the falls. Um, and he he won. Like, it, nothing happened. Nothing got called. And Dingo advanced and secured uh, his spot on tour for the following year. And then there was a little protest on the beach. I was standing right there. Um, would you like to hear, hear a little excerpt from my from my memoir? I would love to, Paul. So my blog that day was called Damn, I Wish I Was Your Lover, a reference to the classic <laughs> Sophie B. Hawkins song. Uh, okay, ready? Damien was angry. Him and contest director Marty Thomas had a lengthy discussion about it in semi-public. Sherm, which is obviously Steve Sherman, Nick Carroll, Marcus Surfline, I mean, that's not his real name, it's Marcus Sanders, but hey. Um, and moi were lapping it up uh, like a puppy who just puked. 
Um, I liked particularly how... Okay, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, I'll move on. When has someone ever pulled a leash and not gotten an interference? When has that ever happened, is, is what Damien said. And then this is the bit I really liked. He kind of did an impression of like he was doing someone else. And I said, the last bit he said in his voice. And then he's pretending to be like the priority judge. And he, and he goes... He just got his leash pulled and went over the falls at pipe. That's real funny. Ha, ha, ha. And he, yeah, he did, like, he did sort of like an impression, which I thought was quite an abstract way of, of complaining. Number two. Let's talk some Slater and some Bashan. So for fans of the US Open at Huntington Beach, as it's now known, you might recall back, you need to go back and get on your YouTube. First of all, you need to check out the 94 US Open. That was... Bashan and Slater in the final. And Bashan won it. Actually, Kelly got one of those weird interferences in that where he took off on the same way miles ahead and he wasn't really interfering. But anyway, it didn't matter anyway. Bashan had already won. But what I want you to draw your attention to is the trophy lift. And Shane Bashan, miserable cunt. His, when he's lifting the trophy, it's the most thin-lipped trophy lift. I'm just going to say in the history of all sports, his lips look like two slices of graphene, the world's thinnest material. It's only one atom thick, which incidentally is in the Billabong wetsuit, who uh, Billabong Graphene series, I think, sponsored the last episode of the, of the pod. But anyway, um, yeah, really miserable bashing. Anyway, got the nod. That sets the tone. Let's fast forward to 96, Ben. Classic year for the world, 96. Euro 96. Oasis. God, it was a mental time to be alive. Anyway, the US Open at Huntington Beach. They weren't thinking about Euro 96 or Oasis. They were watching Slater and Beshin. It was the first wave of the final. And Beshin paddled for a wave, a right-hander. Kelly sort of sprint paddled behind him, almost like he was kind of going left. He sort of almost paddled like left, but stood up behind him. Beshin had no idea. Beshin did a couple of pumps and did an air and landed and thought all the noise was everyone cheering at him. But what he hadn't seen was Kelly just got to his feet behind him and then just jumped off and got the interference and Slater won. And do you reckon, do you reckon Beshin was, was pleased? Do you reckon his, his lips were, were full and smiling? Number one. Well, it's got to be just general sort of peak Medina, hasn't it? 2019, the Portugal incident. And then followed over into the pipe incident, and we talked about it on the last pod at quite some length. But um, I think, yeah, it wasn't necessarily that big a crime, but just in terms of sort of the impact of the shithousery, I mean, it's one of the most talked about things in the history of surfing. It was brilliant. Even contemplated as such a, uh, someone would do it, and yeah, stopped a belly getting a, a score, and it made him progress through the heat and sort of, yeah, caused ripples of sort of derision, stroke. People thought it was a genius, divided opinion. Uh, it was in the, within the rules, um, but also sort of morally <laughs> questionable. And um, yeah, Gabe, you know, he's, he's got it in him. You got to, you, you just got to love him for it. You have to. But I don't think he has any idea that Kelly Slater was behind him. PT, that could be interference on the very first wave on Shane Bessett. It's Okay, well, joining us down the line is Wavelength editor Luke Gartside. He's got some great news about some brilliant subscriptions offers. Luke, what have you got for us? Hey, Paul, how you doing? Yes, it's been an exciting week here in the southwest of uh, Britain and all over Europe, actually. We've had Storm Brendan smashing into us, bringing some waves to every coastline, which has been great. Um, in terms of subscription offers, you can still get a Chili's bottle when you subscribe to Wavelength, so... 
That's 25 quid. You get both biannual editions that we'll be releasing this year. Plus a Chili's bottle, which is great for this time of year. Not only keeps your water cold, but it can also keep your coffee hot. So perfect for those freezing cold missions. What's going on um, content-wise in Wavelength Machine? What are you working on? If you want to get in touch with the show, send us a tweet at Wavelength Mag. Send us a DM on Insty on Instagram, or you can drop us an email editor at Wavelength Mag. Until next time, I'm I'm Paul Evans saying enjoy yourself. It's later than you think, and he's Ben Monday saying get a dog up, yes. It's not the